Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained 50-pound weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches, and together with our community, we are learning to live our most courageous lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness, and empower you to feel your absolute best. Join us as we in our community share our courageous wellness. Today on the podcast, we speak with Victoria Albina. Victoria is a certified life coach and certified breathwork meditation facilitator with a passion for helping women with their most important relationship, the one with themselves. She is a UCSF trained family nurse practitioner, has a master's degree in public health from Boston University School of Public Health, and a BA in Latin American Studies from Oberlin College. She has been working in health and wellness for over 20 years and today shares her wealth of knowledge with us and our community. Victoria coaches people with codependent and perfectionist thinking to stop feeling anxious and stuck so they can improve their relationships with parents, partners, and most importantly, with themselves. She came to this work after years of codependent and perfectionist thinking that led to energy, stomach, thoughts, and mood that in her own words were a hot mess. On this episode, we have a beautiful conversation about the power of choice and how to tap into awareness and acceptance to create meaningful transformation should we choose that for ourselves. For anyone interested, Victoria has an upcoming six-month masterclass she is offering beginning February 1st called The Feminist Wellness Guide to Overcoming Codependency. We hope you enjoy this conversation and learn as much as we did. Also, we wanted to remind our listeners that on January 27th at 6 p.m. PST, we will be hosting our first virtual coaching event of 2021. The theme is how to read nutrition labels and why ingredients matter. It will be a fun, interactive group coaching event, and you can find the link to buy tickets in our profile. Enjoy the episode. Erica and I are both certified integrative health coaches and now offer health coaching through the Courageous Wellness Collective. We continued our education and received certification through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. IIN has taken the lead in the health coaching industry from its inception and provides a comprehensive curriculum that combines nutrition, coaching, and business. We loved the program and have had so many listeners ask us about continuing education for nutrition, health coaching programs, or even just enrolling in higher education to learn more about food and nutrition for themselves. So we are very excited to be able to offer a discount to Courageous Wellness listeners to study at IIN. The program is completely accessible virtually with lectures led by health, wellness, and medical industry experts. To receive up to $1,000 off your tuition, use our names, Ali French or Erica Stein at the time of enrollment to receive the tuition discount. 
We have also included a link in the show notes that will take you directly to IAN to learn more about their wonderful programs. And if you want to work with us or receive coaching, you can always reach out at courageouswellness.net. We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic offers superfood coffee and elixirs to upgrade your daily routine. The powerful antioxidants, antiviral effects, and immune-boosting properties of mushrooms transform your cup of joe from an energy-boosting treat to a health-enhancing choice. Along with mushroom coffee, Four Sigmatic also offers mushroom elixirs, mushroom hot cocos, and other shroom-filled products. Erica uses the lion's mane in her morning superfood coffee. And even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains myataki mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout. And there's also a direct link in our show notes. Thank you so much for joining us, Victoria. It is such a delight to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, To get started, can you tell us a little bit about your personal journey, um, sort of in in the health and wellness space, I guess, what took you into that work and then how that evolves into the work that you currently do? Yeah, absolutely. So I came to health and wellness because I was really, really sick myself. I had terrible digestive issues the first 30 years of my life or so and did what most of us do, right? Bounce from clinician to clinician, from doctor to doctor, trying to get answers. Um, I finally found a functional medicine provider who did the right test and found the parasites, found the bacterial overgrowth, helped me to understand the um, correlation with food and food sensitivities. And what happened was that I got better and relapsed and got better and relapsed, right? And we see this. This is really common, particularly with parasites and SIBO. And I had wicked bad heartburn, like the kind where you can't sleep lying down for like years, which was cute. Uh, It's a cute look as far as the looks go. (laughs) I hear it's good for your skin. So anyway, um, you know, and I got, I felt really passionate about helping other humans, particularly those socialized as women, to see that there was a path other than the conventional Western medicine, one pill for one ill, sort of, we can't help the root cause of this, but we sure can cover up your symptoms, because it didn't work for me. And it felt, you know, it's really interesting as my work has evolved, it felt inauthentic and disingenuous, which are not words I would have used at the moment, right? I would have talked like science and right? We're not catching the DNA fragments of the parasite. But these days, right, it feels like an inauthentic way to be in connection with your body. So from being so sick, I wanted to help others to heal the way I had been healing. And so I became a nurse practitioner. I studied holistic medicine and herbs and um, finally functional medicine and had a thriving practice doing that in New York City. And what I started to see in client or patient after patient after patient was they too would heal and relapse and heal and relapse. And so I realized as a total nerd, there has to be a root cause I'm not addressing beyond, right, pulling the gluten for the Hashimoto's, right, finding the parasite, et cetera. And that root cause is stress, trauma, our, the, our family blueprints that we grow up in, and the habitual mindset that we carry throughout our lives 
which is often, and this is the case with my clients generally, a blueprint that we adopted as a survival mechanism in childhood and was brilliant and amazing and incredible and so dope and great for a kid. Mm. But then that 18-year-old, that eight-year-old is 28 and 38 and 48 and 58 and is still reacting to the world from the place of the wounded eight-year-old. And so their nervous system, of course, my nervous system, of course, was a hot mess. And I say that with full love and like, of course it is, right? Because you're reacting to a demon who's no longer there, Mm -hmm. right? You're reacting to gremlins under the bed from 10, 20, and 30 years ago. And so when your nervous system is jacked up on that, of course your physiology will suffer. And so I came to understand the true road to lasting, sustainable wellness is yes, baby, get your test, get your physiology in order, but you have to attend to your heart, to your self-love, to true self-care, which like, sure, take a bubble bath, but it's so much deeper and we can dive into that, right? But like really, truly aligning your life with your values, Mm -hmm. with your honesty, That is so powerful. And I feel everything you're saying. I actually can relate to so much of your story because before I got into this world, it was around 20, I've always struggled with gut issues. And, um, but it was around 2015 that it was so bad. And I was like diagnosed with GERD, which is what they diagnose you with when they literally have no idea why you're sick all the time. Right. And, um, you know, or it was just stress or whatever, but I've been in therapy for the last three years and, and I've done, you know, and I grew up Buddhist. I've always had tools, mm-hmm. but I, um, the most powerful realization for me in my transformation and healing my gut beyond, like you're saying, the food and the wellness knowledge and all that stuff was realizing that I was acting from my 12-year-old self. For me, it was the 12-year-old girl, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this 30-year-old woman is behaving, responding, acting from her 12-year-old self, right? It was a very powerful realization and transformation. Um, so can you talk to us, because you also, right, healed yourself through your, right, through all this work. How did you do that? Because that's a really loaded question. But it's like, right, I think a lot of people know, right, they're like, something, it, it, the emotional, the physical are connected, but the, to right. do this work is not easy. It's painful. It's sticky. It's, it's levels of trauma that everyone has experienced in their childhood, right? Um, so how do, where do we begin? How did you begin to do this work so that now you could help your clients? Well, I think it starts, I mean, awareness, acceptance, action, always, mm-hmm. you know, the U.S. culture on the whole tends to jump to action, right? And that's what my, my patients were doing instead of, I mean, half and half, right? But there was a segment of the population who was like, I want to obsess about the lab numbers. I want to take another pill. I want another supplement. I want another treatment. Right. And it was very action driven. And I'm a Leo. There's Virgo in my moon. Like, <laughs> let me go ahead and, like, I love taking action. Love it. But not in lieu of awareness and acceptance. Right. Because if you can't feel it, you can't heal it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's an old saying because it's a brilliant old saying. We have to 
first of all, realize there's a problem. Realize that healing the gut, healing the body is healing the psyche, the spirit, the soul, whatever, right? Whatever words, spirit, soul resonates for you. And to recognize, to your point, yes, it is horrifyingly painful to do this work. It is frigging terrible. And it was terrible otherwise, right? So it's either the terrible of rolling around in codependent thought fantasies, right? Holding yourself to these perfectionist standards that you will always fail at because they are beyond human capacity. It's the pain of people pleasing mm -hmm. and staying in relationships, chasing relationships, chasing the opinions and validation of other people who may not be interested in you know, supporting you anyway. So it's the pain of all of that, not looking at it. And you just get to put that on the scale with the pain of looking at it, which is great. The pain of looking at it is it is an awesome thing in the original meaning of awesome, right? It will shake your world. And you get to make that choice before embarking on any of this, that you are ready to let go of your attachment to being in needless suffering, mm. right? You need to let go of your attachment of trying to control the world, which is so challenging. And the amount of peace that comes from recognizing that the only thing you can control is your own mind, your own thinking. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. That's, so, I, I was just going to say that like is deeply, I think deeply resonant. And for me, even someone who's dealt with so many like, health things from an early age, even though I was seemingly like a really healthy person, it sort of forced me to have to examine, you know, why am I at 29 getting cancer when I'm a healthy, active, young, health conscious person? Right. right. Like right. sometimes there's aspects of our health that I think, or like these struggles for your, in, in your case, your gut issues, which I think a lot goes back to the gut. And I've also dealt with that or the relapsing SIBO right. or whatever, that there's a lot of emotion that we hold in our body, especially in the gut. But these health challenges can often be the opportunity to do that work. Right. And I love how you frame it as like, they're both painful things, but you have a choice. Right. And one pain, one set of pain can actually be like the door to so much freedom. Right. Absolutely. And so it's like choosing your, choosing your suffering in the moment, but either way, you're already existing with this pain. Can we transform it? I guess this is a very Buddhist thing that Erica and I both talk about, but it's like the idea of transforming poison into medicine, this idea of like, hey, I can create value from these health things that are going on with me for my own life and therefore in the ripple effect of the people around me. Right. Yeah. And it, it is a choice and it gets to be a choice and it needs to be a choice. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really important thing to pause, particularly in this moment of heightened awareness about how problematic the white supremacist framework of wellness can be and this imposition on others that in order to be healthy and well and somehow good in the world, yeah. they have to make that choice to see their suffering as a potential for learning 
but you don't have to. Don't. And more importantly, don't BS yourself, right? Yeah. So someone I love very much committed suicide two weeks ago. I'm in pain. I'm in grief. I'm in suffering. I'm not trying to see this as a learning lesson yet, as an opportunity. No, thank you. I want to cry for Mikey. I want to cry about Mikey. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Thank you. I'm not. No. Right. So it's from that personal choice. And I think that's so important. That's feminism. That's consent. Right. A consent framework is across all frameworks. Right. The way you do anything is the way you do everything. Yeah. So to what you said, yes, and. Yeah. Yeah. And is a really powerful word. Mm -hmm. Erica and I have also talked a lot about this lately, and I, I had a conversation with another friend where it's like the, the freedom in saying this instead of using, like we're basically replacing the word but with yes. and. It's, you're like, oh, yeah, oh. these things coexist. Things coexist. Feelings right. coexist. Yeah. Um, and just like the power in that language yeah. shift is yeah. really massive. It yeah. has been massive for me. Yeah. I know, Erica, it's been massive for you. Well, um, yeah, I think especially like when dealing with, I think anything that you have to face, right? Because both are true. And I think right. a lot of like, you know, there was a lot of stuff that went down, right? I think for me, especially probably between the ages of like five and like 14, but again, like eight through 12 was like the big, the big moments of my childhood. And it's interesting because I also have tons of happy memories, right? Like you have like these happy, loving, joyful memories. And I think part of, you know, when you talked about, right, like acceptance and awareness is it's so hard. It, it, it was very hard to do that work, to be like, both exist, right? Like right. the trauma, the difficulty, the, um, the transformative moments um, that happened, happened. But not but, and, and, you know, these things were happening. And it's so hard. I think that's why, you know, especially with like breaking codependency and putting up boundaries, it can be so hard to retrain these patterns that, you know, um, since you brought up astrology, it really started happening during my Saturn return, you know, like that's when everything, yeah. I was like, I mm -hmm. had to go there. Um, but it's still hard, right? Because 28, 29 years of my life, I lived this way, right? And like right. you said, there are these defense mechanisms that you use to protect yourself as a child, mm, right? Yeah. Like you use them to protect yourself. Even with food, I, I am an emotional eater. Food is comfort. Um, and that's how I protected myself, right? Like food was comfort and nourishment and nurturing. And so where – how do you begin – to accept, right? Because I think, mm. like, how do you begin to accept? Right. How do you, without, because, or is it part of it? Because I think sometimes, right, like lots of anger can come out and like rage and that, that I'm sure is part of it. Um, and anger is very important. Like, look at what we're dealing with in the world, right? We need anger and passion to make change in the society we live in, right? It's not like a peaceful, passive, like high vibes moment. It's right. Uh, it's like, 
So, but in that same way, right? Like everything is the microcosm, right? Like what we're dealing with in society is a manifestation of the human heart that exists in every single one of us in different ways. And we have to start inside of our hearts. We have to start inside of our families, inside of our, like our, our personal situation. So I guess all this rambling leads to how do we start to accept the sticky parts and the painful parts of this and then work through boundaries and transformation and and those steps. So I think it has to start with, as we were talking about before, recognizing that there's a problem Mm. and taking radical, Mm. wild, wild self-responsibility. And, and this is because my work is with codependent thinkers, recognizing when we're taking responsibility for what's not ours And often it's through the process of taking responsibility for what is that we can see, oh, wait, oh, right? I didn't force him to yell at me. He made that choice, right? Like, this is my side of the street and that is yours in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. For many of us who had a lot of stress or trauma in childhood, we didn't, that that piece of individuation didn't happen in a healthy way. Like if we were enmeshed in our families, if there was codependency taught to us as children, if people pleasing was the norm, or for many human socialized as women, we were actively taught to please other people, to be pleasing rather than to run like a maniac on the playground, right? To scream and to yell and get dirt all over us and play with frogs, right? Like those are just some examples, but there's so many ways we're taught to put other people ahead of ourselves that keeps us apart from, it's like this othering of ourselves within ourselves where we have this spotlight on our head looking at everyone else, and prioritizing them, their feelings, their wants, their needs. And so we can't, we fall out of our capacity because we can, right? But we fall out of our capacity and awareness of our personal responsibility for our own mental, emotional, financial, social, and other wellness and well being. Mm. Which, once again, I will differentiate from recognizing the harms perpetrated by others and name them directly because mm-hmm. we fail to do that as well, right? And well, anytime I say fail, I'm, it's not a judgment. It's simply a statement of fact, mm. right? And so what happens is we get so caught up in believing, particularly through the lens of codependent thinking, that everyone is against us. Everyone is taking advantage of our kindness, our desire to help. I just want to help. Why won't you let me help you to make your life the life I think that you should have? Do you see the manipulation in there? We don't even see it when we're in it because it's sugar-coated, right? It's this candy-coated framework of, I'm just trying to be nice. And so because other people don't want us to manage their lives for us at a certain point, because we want to manage it the way we want to manage it, we come to believe that we are functionally and fundamentally alone in the world, Mm -hmm which reinforces the deep self-doubt, the deep lack of self-worth and sense of value in the world that leads us to want to manage everyone else's life for them because we have so much trouble making decisions for ourselves from like, should I buy this house? Or my gosh, what's for dinner? And that leaves us feeling so disconnected with our own feelings that we need to 
uh, sort of take from others the experience of having a broad sense of emotion. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I'm like, wow, you're like, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. It's my jam. Yeah, no, this is it's amazing <laughs> to hear. I mean, obviously you're an expert in this and this is why we're talking to you about this, but I've noticed, I noticed in my own journey, as I got into my 30s, I had sort of like this massive life transformation sort of across all aspects of life. But, and it was the scariest time because all of the certainties were all of a sudden gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I noticed for the first time in my life, I started to truly trust myself yeah. because I had realized that through a decade of like phoning a friend and going against my gut and going against intuition because I could rationalize and talk myself in and out of anything. I didn't serve myself. It didn't serve right. me well. And then once I like had that light bulb where it physically was something I could then rely on in my own body and knowing fundamentally that that is something I can always rely on, I all of a sudden didn't like feel the desire to talk everything out with all of my friends or to, to like, like I always call it phone a friend or like, it's like, what do they give you those options on? Like who wants to be a millionaire? Right, like, right, right. Pull the audience or whatever. Right. You know, like I realized that was, that's what I had been trained to do in a lot of ways where it's yeah. just, it's not that I don't value people who are really, really important to me. It's not that I don't value what they might have to say or their opinions, but not at the expense of trusting myself. Yep. And that was like a revolutionary thing. And of course then led to transform so many aspects of life, but it was like shedding some massive programming. And of course, once that happens, like such beautiful things can unfold. Um, But it's interesting because even into my mid thirties now, I see you know, I, I often find that certain friends or community members will, will reach out to me and say, what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? And should I do this or should I do this? And I said, like, I try to really consciously respond now. What feels like the best decision for you? Right. I love that. And, but like what you're saying rings so true because it's, we're not socialized or taught even I, I feel like, and Erica, I'm kind of curious to hear, I know you so openly talk about sort of codependency with a, with a parent figure, like, right, that sort of pattern, where interestingly enough, I feel like I was raised to be independent by a codependent. Ooh. And so I had codependent modeling, but was not in an enmeshed codependent relationship. Sure. So those tendencies were deeply in me, but they were like so below the surface that they weren't obviously recognizable. And so that's why I think, you know, I read your, your story, Victoria, about years of, you know, staying in jobs or staying in relationships that don't serve. Like I did that because I thought on some level, that's what we do as humans or as most of the time, I think you're right, that it's humans who are socialized as women that often take on that from a societal sort of role. Right. So I'm just curious, like, how do you, I feel like on some level, people in that position who maybe identify as women or whatever might, um, 
be more likely whether they are in and deep enmeshment with their family or have just had that deeply modeled for them. How do you, when you're working with a client, start to kind of unpack that for someone, whether like, cause they might have different levels of awareness, right? At different phases. So what is that process like? Yeah. So the, the, primary tool I teach is the thought work protocol. And so the protocol is a way to see our minds, which is what I believe my job is as a coach, which is why this role feels so much more aligned for me than like healthcare provider who's going to tell you what to do. Like, I don't tell nobody what to do. You know, I just help folks to see their own thinking. And then as autonomous adults, they get to make their own choices. (sighs) such a beautiful shift. (laughs) So the thought work protocol is based in the understanding that we always have the choice as humans, and that word choice is vital here once more, to see all circumstances, all situations in this human life as neutral. Important disclaimer, Any of us, every one of us gets to choose if we want to work the protocol. There are many things in this life that I decline to see as neutral. Uh, Genocide, racism. (laughs) I mean, I'm from Argentina and we left during the dirty war. I don't think that is in any way neutral. That was very bad, right? Um, Assault. I mean, one can go on and on, but the point here is I'm not laying down this blanket of everything in life is neutral, right? It goes to your like, good vibes only. Like, forget about it. Forget out of here with that junk, right? Like, be real in the world. So anyway, so from there, we can start to see that we have the possibility to see all things that happen in this life as neutral. And from there, we can take a deep look at our habitual thoughts. So a Buddhist would call that monkey mind. Yeah. And so I think of it as the cassette tapes in our brain that were like recorded way back in the day, right? Like ancestrally generations ago in our childhood, right? When we were in utero, Um, at any point in our life, a cassette got recorded, a thought under then if you think the same thought again and again and again, because neurobiology, it will become a belief. There will be a neural groove in your brain as the neurons that fire together wire together. You believe what you think over and over. So what we do is we get real. In a given situation, what are your thoughts about it? And how do those thoughts make you feel? What are the molecules of emotion that get released in your body? Is it that quick hit of dopamine when you attempt to buffer or push away a thought, a feeling, an emotion, a situation? Is it the oxytocin of feeling true, real, beautiful love, right? What is going on here? So what is the feeling that your thought creates? And even just stopping there, I mean, frankly, stopping, if we were to stop at you can see everything as neutral. That's mind-blowing to the codependent thinker, the perfectionist thinker, the people-pleasing thinker, because those thought patterns, those habits are so ingrained in us. We don't, we don't see that they're the water we're swimming in until we pause to realize person said X doesn't mean I have to respond in Y way. I just always have. So I think it's like, what do you do? But you don't have to. You don't have to take anything personally. You don't have to get upset. You are making a conscious choice. It takes us back to radical responsibility for self. 
And so through this process, circumstance, thoughts, thoughts create feelings. Based on our feelings, we take action, right? Like nobody crosses the street because they're like, well, I think there's no cars coming, right? Your interoception, your connection as a mammal through your vagus nerve with the world, you, you scan the environment, you do not feel unsafe in your body. And with the body, right, it's less feeling safe. It's more, I do not feel unsafe. Fine. Right. So you do not feel unsafe. So you take an action in this simple example across the street and it creates a result in your life. And the focus here with my clients in particular and with myself is creating a result in your own life. Because codependency is based upon that abdication of personal responsibility, we have spent a lifetime focused on the results or outcomes we believe that we can create for someone else in their life. And we don't realize that this is a thought fantasy, right? I just want to make him happy. I just want them to feel good. I just want her to, to respect me. We realize through this process that it is our thoughts that create our feelings and our results. And from really, really recognizing that, you can see so to everyone else. This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Guys, I am so excited to share our new sponsor, Milk and Honey, with you because I have been using their baking soda-free deodorant exclusively for over two years. This gentle, aluminum-free, baking soda-free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. When I decided that I wanted to make the switch to a clean, aluminum-free deodorant, I tried so many different brands, and each and every time I was plagued with those red, itchy bumps under my arm on top of not feeling confident whatsoever that I did not smell. Milk and Honey not only never once gave me those pesky little red bumps, but also passed the smell test, even after some of LA's toughest workout classes. This is my ride or die deodorant, and we are so excited to partner with them. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. Milk and Honey is a female founded and funded brand. And in addition to clean deodorant, they also carry non-toxic bath, body and skincare products like hydration creams, cleansers, soaps, and body polish, and lots more that will make you feel nourished inside and out. If you want to try Milk and Honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST, one word, at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. It's so powerful. And I think too, when these patterns change, right, and and you do this work, it is it is very challenging because people are used to you being a certain way, I think especially as a codependent, right? Even if um, the person you're primarily codependent with, I, I saw it in like pretty much all relationships of my life. And that took um, boundary work as well, right? Like I had to start putting up boundaries and boundaries can feel a little like you're dying. <laughs> that's, how I, I, that's how I feel. I mean, 
I like I am a people pleaser. I would say yes to everything everyone wanted from me. And um, if somebody was upset, I would just feel like I was dying. So when I would put um, that, when I started putting boundaries up with my family, with friends, with everybody, it's it was not easy. You know, I'm so grateful for doing the work because it's it's much easier now. <laughs> and my friends, you know of course, all responded so well. Um, family, it's a lot harder, you know, because it's it's a lot harder, at least for me. Um, so I'm just curious about boundary work, especially with family members. Um, yeah, I'm just curious as to your thoughts, if it ever gets easier. I love boundaries. And, you know, this takes us back to our previous is it hard to do the thing that supports you in living in radical self-love, self-responsibility, self-trust, believing in yourself? Or is it harder to not? And there was a change. Somatically, I could feel the shift in my body, right? When I don't set a boundary, I get a queasiness, right? When I buffer, attempt to push feelings away, I get a queasiness, Right, I can feel the difference now in my physical form, in my spirit, in my energy when I say, yes, I'm available. And when I say, no, I'm not. From that place of truly understanding, believing, knowing, and acting from a belief that I matter, a belief that my joy and my wellness is actually really effing important. And in coming to see boundaries as a way to prevent resentment, resentment being drinking poison and hoping the other person dies, right? This takes us back again to, you know, the Buddhist framework of how can you transform poison into medicine? So that transformation of the possibility of creating a resentment within myself, which is so cozy, so cozy. And then I get to roll around in my victim mindset, feel like the martyr, right? But also the saint who's taking care of everyone. I can always choose that. Or I can realize that the pain of sitting in resentment, ugh, I can't believe she made me do that. Ugh, I can't believe she, ugh, a client said this the other day. I'm so mad at my friend because she's having her bachelorette at this really expensive place and I have to go. And I was like, oh, baby, holding the phone, please. You're an adult. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to eat or sleep or mow the lawn. Like, you don't have to do nothing. There's a consequence. But when we step out of that, like, martyry resentfully, I have to do things I don't want to do, and I'm going to be mad at you for inviting me to do them, we find so much freedom and we broaden our trust. We deepen our trust, not just in ourselves, but in the people we love, mm. right? So if I, I, gosh, I too am wildly grateful for my friends who, you know, if I text one of my, if I text Sophie and I'm like, hey girl, in the struggle, I've done my thought work, right? I've worked the thought work protocol. I've meditated. I've bubble bath. Like I, I ran, I went for a run. Like I, I did it all and... I, I would like for you to hold space for me. It's like, and we have a system, right? Like zero to 10 heaviness or like, you know, zero is like some trifling BS and 10 is like 
full on acute onset leprosy. <laughs> and <laughs> my grandma actually ran a leper colony. Oh my gosh. How oh, cool wow. is she? But anyway, so if I text her and I'm like, girl, this feels in this moment like an eight. Do you have space for this? I mm-hmm. trust that Sophie will say, no way, baby. Mm-hmm. Nope. And oh my God, that is such a gift. Such a gift. Such a gift. Yeah. And I would so much rather that someone is honest and direct and real and responsible for their own energy and says, oh, no, you cannot have what you want right now. Mm. Because when they then say yes, I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's so powerful. It's yeah. So powerful. I think too, you know, it makes like being as somebody who was like, so codependent and didn't even Mm -hmm. know it, right? Like it took going to, I started going to therapy, I think about three years ago for a different issue. Mm -hmm. And and I have the most amazing therapist who was like, oh girl, you're so codependent. I was like, what? What's this word I've never heard in 28 years of my life? Um, You know, but, but as somebody who's been doing the work, I will say it does make your relationships so much stronger. And yes, there were people who are not in my life anymore because that's just what happens when you choose yourself Mm -hmm. and you do this work. But the majority of people stayed and the relationships are so much stronger because we both show up. Like you're talking about so much differently. And to be honest, I was like a really flaky people pleaser. So I people please and I people please, but I would say yes to everything and inevitably right. not be able to do everything. And, you know, my poor right. friends would be on the other side of that. So I appreciate them so much for holding space and being there for the last like 10, 15, 20 years and doing this work. But um, it does make your relationship stronger. And when you live in alignment with yourself, that's what I found. Like as I started like really deciding that I was going to go to these painful places, that's like when the podcast was born. That's when like Ali and I became so much closer. And I will say having a friend like your Sophie, I really feel like Ali, you, you have been that friend for me because Ali is like, I'm a Libra. Ali's an Aries. You are so strong. And you have always like, um, like you said, like you, you really like, you're, you're very independent. And just having someone in my life as I was like leveling up, like, of course that came into my life because you were able to really like, like I would say, I'd be like, I'm so scared to say no right now. I don't know how I'm going to say no to this or, you know, and she'd be like, like, say no, you don't have to do anything. I was like, what? Like that was so foreign to me just three years ago. Like the idea that like what you're saying about the bachelorette party, you can say no, like you can say like, so what? And so I just want to say, right, like if anybody's listening and they're going through it and they're doing the work, I just, I believe and I saw with myself that like, as you do the work, the universe or whatever you believe in, I feel like there is a response that happens in your environment as you shift your environment shifts. And yes, like that could be the painful death-like feeling of someone's leaving or a relationship is ending, but it also means you have more space and more time for like the Sophies and the friends that are really going to be there for you and, and hold that space. And I just love, I just love, I will say that to go to a friend and say, I'm at an eight, this is where I am and give them the permission to be like, I can't do that today. Right. Like that's like good friendship. Right. And not like feeling any way about it. Like I just, 
like I'm going to take that and use Do. that from here on out. We're going to, yeah, we're going to use that. We're going to use it with each other. Thank you for it. that. Um, I'm curious how, I mean, we touched on this a little bit, but this is like sort of my personal fascination and I'm, I always can't shut up about it <laughs> for any of our listeners that are used to this, but you talk a lot about, um, stress. You talk mm-hmm. about, uh, the nervous system and our vagus nerve and, and how we can really like tap into the parasympathetic in order to deal with trauma or basically Mm -hmm. the relationship Mm -hmm. between the body, which is a lot of what we've been talking about and sort of this emotional stuff or codependent behavior that it's very integrative. It's not just physiological. Um, but yet there is something in our body that deeply a can can work. It's sort of like two ways to to work with the parasympathetic nervous system. Really, really can help um, healing, and and also when you're working with the like emotional. I mean, it can heal em- emotional stuff, but then dealing with the emotional stuff also has an effect physically. So, I'm I'd love to talk a little bit about that. How you use that? How you really sort of understand this, the the uh, nervous system, and how it integrates into this type of work. Wow, my favorite nerd my favorite. <laughs> my favorite. Do you both have your pocket protectors on and your safety glasses in place? We're going to nerd hard. Yeah, I love talking about this because this is the link, right? Where when talking about the molecules of emotion, that when we understand how our thoughts create our feelings and how our feelings create our thoughts, right? It is that circle. So do you, do you want me to like do a polyvagal yes. 101 or you feel yes. like the, the kittens have it? Okay, great. Yes, they do. They have the basics. So I would love you to nerd out for a minute about it. So the vagus nerve is uh, the 10th cranial nerve. It is the longest nerve in the human body. You can't see me, but I'm putting my hair up because uh, I'm, I'm getting serious. Getting, <laughs> She's going to show us. We're getting serious yeah. here, babies. Okay. So um, God, it's, fast. it's just funny to feel how I light up when I talk about this. Anyway. I love it. So, yeah, it's so fun. Well, because I and, – and I'll nerd again in a second, but let me say this, that – I felt so disconnected from my body. Mm-hmm. I felt so wildly disembodied because I was so in my brain thinking so hard and trying to change everything through thinking and trying to heal my gut by sci- just mm, lab sciencing it and supplementing mm-hmm. it. And right, that to understand polyvagal has given me this ah, just, yeah, it's an exhale, right? Yeah. It's, oh my goodness. I have so much more understanding of awareness of and feel that I can intervene for my own wellness in outstanding new ways. So just saying that. So vagus nerve, 10th cranial nerve, longest nerve in the body. It goes down through the the middle of us as animals and it controls so many things. Um, Heart rate, breathing rate, digestion, thyroid, reproductive function. It really drives the bus for being a human, humaning along in the world. Um, the autonomic nervous system is the automatic nervous system. It goes without us thinking, which is great because how long until you both would be dead if you had to think about your own heart rate? Yeah. I'd last like three seconds. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, lub dub, wait, what? 
Oh, dad. <laughs> so thank goodness it goes automatically. And what it automatically does is scan the horizon, looking for lion or not lion, mm-hmm. right? And so we get to recognize as codependent thinkers, we often have this all or nothing lion, not lion thinking. And it is a part of us of our nervous system. So we don't beat ourselves up for it. We just learn to see tabby cats, right? The cat in between the lion and not lion. Anyway, so the parts of our autonomic nervous system are the sympathetic, the fight or flight, the freak out, the, oh my God, I'm so anxious. The, oh wow, everything is a nightmare. Everything is terrible. Everything is the worst. This is the over complainer, the globalizer, um, the catastrophizer, which is a big part of the codependent brain, right? Thinking everything is the absolute worst. And it's often because in childhood, right, we felt that fight or flight energy of not being seen, actually being unsafe in our household. Um, And we wanted to yell back. We wanted to run away. We wanted to take mobilizing action in our bodies. But then we remembered we were six or 12 or even 17. And there were limits to our capacity to escape. Mm -hmm. So that's the sympathetic nervous system that's run by adrenaline, norepinephrine, and cortisol. Mm -hmm. Then there's the parasympathetic nervous system, which has two branches. One is the dorsal. So dorsal means back body. I remember the dorsal fin on a dolphin, or this is what happens when you are um, so overwhelmed in your nervous system, in your body, in your emotional state, and your fear body is really activated. And so you want to shrink. You want to remove yourself from the world to prevent harm. So I think that your back is against the door, dorsal door of the cave, just hoping no lions come in because you're frozen. So when folks say, I feel so stuck, I feel so stuck in this job, in this marriage, in this life, in this body, in this whatever, that's an indication of that dorsal activity, right? That that's mostly where we are. And this is ruled by acetylcholine. In the middle is para, of another parasympathetic part is ventral vagal. And that's the front body. This is ruled by the face and analyzing everything around us, listening for something called prosody of voice, which is the tone the three of us have, mm-hmm. being nice, nice right? And I have had the incredible gift back in my medical days of attending births on multiple continents, three different continents. And regardless of language of origin, a new parent having birthed grabs that little baby and says, right? That prosody of voice that says, you are safe, little one. You are okay. Everything's okay. No need to panic here. And that brings us into that ventral vagal where we feel safe and social. It's oxytocin and a little bit of nice dopamine, those endorphins. And it's there that we are in our most cognitive power. We can do good thinkings and we can do good thinkings about our thinkings Mm. and we can most show up for our life to make the decisions that lead us to have a healthy life. Mm vital to say, none of these parts are bad or wrong. They are all vital. Without fight or flight, you would not get up in the morning and put on pants, right? Without dorsal, you wouldn't experience shavasana or like that sweetness after a bath or a meditation. You wouldn't go to sleep, my babies. So we need all three, right? And and we don't need to demonize any, right? It's not fight or flight's not bad. 
right? It makes you pay your taxes. It's good for you. And they're all good for you in balance, which again, when we're talking about codependency, people pleasing perfectionism, they are systems out of balance. And that's why they're a problem, mm -hmm. right? To slightly deviate, I promise to come back. People pleasing helps you keep your job. Mm -hmm. People pleasing gets you a raise. People pleasing keeps you from getting hurt in a mugging. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool, man. We're good, right? Just take my wallet. We're good, right? Mm -hmm. It's the imbalance where it takes over your worth and value where it's a problem. And so too, with these different states of the nervous system, being all jacked up on adrenaline and anxious all the time is no good for a being, nor is being in collapsed and depressed and stuck. Mm -hmm. And so... So much of the work I do is to help folks to come into consciousness around simply what is your state? Yeah. Where are you in your nervous system? What does it feel like? Back to, I love a zero to 10. Nurses love that kind of business, yeah. right? Like, what are the tools at your disposal? And these are the tools I teach in my programs to feel when on a zero to 10, where zero is catatonic and 10 is volcanic, how do you feel a little touch, like a point two of sympathetic activation? Recognize it, honor it, attend to it with love as your most loving parent and show up for yourself. Because if you stay in sympathetic and you stay in dorsal, your digestion will stop. Because, well, do you want your body to digest a cheeseburger when you have a lion to run from? Like, no. No. I, no. Yeah. I veto oh. that. <laughs> I veto. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's so powerful. And even the way you speak to, and I think is so important for all of us to like look at those parts of ourselves and like with like nurturing, loving, you know, thoughts is yeah. so like revolutionary and transformative to be like, we need you. We just don't yeah. need you right now. Like let's right. honor and love you. Yes. It's, it's so powerful. It's so yeah. powerful. Yeah. And I have a question to, do you feel like, <clears throat> do you feel like you are, or people can be fully cured from codependency or is it a muscle that we always will have to practice? Hmm. So I will start by investigating our terms here. Mm. So I don't believe that people are codependent, mm. are people pleasers, are type A. I believe that we have thought habits. Again, back to the monkey mind, again, back to the cassette tape. So from that, starting from that framework, I do believe that we can rewrite and shift to these things. Mm. And the, the gift of doing daily thought work, the gift of lending our attention and our intention and our love and care to our nervous systems, showing up for our own embodiment, like to really be present in our bodies is to peel away another layer of the, of the onion there, mm -hmm. right? And to find ourselves having healed so much of that thinking, having shifted and rewritten it gives us the gift of seeing the next layer. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like we could probably talk for two hours. Wouldn't that be you? so fun? No. Oh my gosh. Well, you know what? We'll just, in the future, we're going to put it out for a part two at some point. That's Ooh, all. Yes, please. Um, thank you so much for sharing your, your knowledge, your expertise. I think there's so much, um, 
value and that you're putting into the world with this because it's it's so such a gift when people can do this for themselves or learn how to do this for themselves. So um, I just want to say thank you for the work that you're doing and for sharing uh, your knowledge about this with us today. And as we start to wrap up, we have a few questions we'd like to ask you. Um, Always sort of fun questions that we end with. And the first one is, (laughs) what does your daily self-care look like? And what are your personal non-negotiables for your day? such a good one. Well, I seek to start the day with self-love always. So I start the day and whatever, for whatever reasons, my brain likes to hear things out loud. Uh, Maybe it's being an ESL kid. I don't know. But when I, so I start the day by waking up and saying my full name. So I wake up and I say, good morning, Maria Victoria Alvina Cordero. I love you so much. And then I think of three sweet things about me, Mm. right? And sometimes I just, I marvel at the fact that I have hands. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, wow, I I have thumbs. (laughs) Like, that's an outstanding thing. Mm. So I think of three sweetnesses about me, and I say them to me out loud. And I start my day that way. And that is a non-negotiable. Right? Because it just sets this tone in which by starting with gratitude, by starting with wonder and awe, I remind my brain that I can find it anytime I choose to. Mm. Right? And that my next thought is a choice, as is my next feeling, as is my next action, creating my results. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then I meditate. Movement is a big part of my day. My movement, movement used to be as a good Argentine about attempting to get slim. My people are very (laughs) disordered in our eating uh, and body image. And so um, it was that. And I'm so grateful to have done the work of shifting it. Mm -hmm. So movement for me now is is like feeling myself in my body Mm -hmm. and bringing that awareness deep inside. Meditation is vital and keeps me from being bananas. Um, And I say that lovingly, smilingly, because I know me at this point. Mm -hmm. And then sitting and writing my thought work, because Mm -hmm. that thought work helps me to see what's today's new old cassette tape, because, right, peeling the onion, my brain will hand me a new one today, right? A new way to blame someone else for my feelings, a new way to abdicate pretty much anything I can. So yeah, those are the vitals. Thank you so much for sharing that. The next question we always ask is, what does being courageous mean to you? God, I love that. Core from the Latin, the heart. (laughs) I had to nerd even there. Um, Yeah, I talk a lot about taking courageous action, right? Living from the heart. Um, And again, this goes back to everything we've talked about, of having your locus and your focus, be yourself, your intuition, your internal drivers. And so courageous action for me is, um, or what is being courageous, yeah, mm-hmm. is, um, is just being truthful, being honest, being real. And frankly, those things often really suck. 
as we've been talking about, they're really painful. They're really, they're just not fun. Mm -hmm. But life is 50-50, right? Discomfort and joy. And the more I can feel the discomfort, the more I can have the courage to say, let's dig into this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know that that will brighten the joy. As I look to the shadow, there is more light. Beautiful. Great. Thank you so much. And then the final one is, do you Syphilis. Have, <laughs> did I get you, it right? Do you did have syphilis? No. No, do I'm just have? kidding. It's my favorite. <laughs> I love it. Next question. I actually have a funny story. I'll tell you about post-recording. Syphilis? Yeah. I've never heard a funny one about syphilis, but do lay it on me. Um, but our final question is, do you have a book recommendation that you would share with our listeners that just, it could really be on anything, but something that's meant something to you along your own journey? It's so, brains are so funny, right? So I just felt my perfectionism come online and it was like, thick. You got to pick the right most books so people know that you're a very smarty pants and that uh, you're very well read and you know, you know about books because books is important and it's how you show that you're worthy of being loved and honored and respected. Mm. So to that, I will say The Little Prince. Mm. Thank that, you. Beautiful. And thank you for that answer and that example. Like, Wow. Like I'm just blown away by that authenticity, that vulnerability, that realness that we can all take, right? Like that's how we should all live our lives. Be like, I see you thought, um, cause that's where our power is. So gosh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone listening, where can they find you work with oh, you? Yeah. Listen to your podcast. Tell us everything. Yeah. So uh, if you head on over to victoriaalbina.com, I have a suite of free meditations that are available right on the homepage. There's a boundary setting, inner child, self-love, some nervous system exercises. One is called orienting, which I love um, that can help you to shift into that ventral vagal place. And they're for free because I love you and being of service is vital. It's how we heal. So that's at victoriaalbina.com. Um, I run a six-month masterclass program uh, called the Feminist Wellness Guide to Overcoming Codependency. Uh, and you can get more info on my website, victoriaalbina.com slash masterclass. Check it out. Um, it's really, it's the jewel of my 20 years of work in health and wellness and helping myself heal. And the goal of that course is to teach you how to coach yourself. Mm -hmm. So you don't need anybody else to help you heal. Mm -hmm. And you can practice uh, being interdependently co-regulating with others, which is vital. Uh, my podcast is called Feminist Wellness. It's free weekly on all of the channels, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora. I don't even remember. There's so many. So many. Um, yeah. And then on the gram uh, at Victoria Albina Wellness. Well, thank you so much again for joining us today. We had a great time. Such a delight. Thank you for all the work you do. And if I may, if you're listening to this show and you're getting a lot out of it, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps folks to find the show. And these gals are working so tirelessly to bring you love and care and help. So show them some love back. Oh, thank you so thank much. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. 
subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.